Hello everyone. First off, I would like to welcome you to chapter two of Sandu Stories. And I'd also like to give you a quick little reminder that this chapter and one more chapter will be available on the free platform. And after that, all Sandu Stories will be available on Patreon only. There'll be a new Sandu Stories every month. All right, let's get into it. When you do a quick Google search of six-year-old Harriet Riley and her 31-year-old father, Harold Riley, very little comes up. There's a handful of articles that tell the sad story of how a recently discharged Air Force vet was killed in his kitchen in the middle of the night, and how four years later his daughter ends up dead too. Just a handful of articles. And she is only a footnote on a few, with cold and even heartless retellings of her tragic and all-too-short life, and with no resolve or even a lead. And that is why we chose to shine a light on their lives in this week's Sandu Stories. But sometimes I don't And the shit gets real But we know that's how you like it Cause the way it makes you feel Sandu stories Based on truth But some things are exaggerated Sandu stories Been waiting on you And we're so glad you made it Sandu stories Based on truth But some things are exaggerated Sandu stories Been waiting on you Harold Riley and his wife Mimi were originally from Georgia, but after Harold joined the Air Force, they moved around quite a bit. Harold spent over a decade in the Air Force, from 1958 to 1971, but most of it was spent at the now-decommissioned McClellan Air Force Base in North Sacramento, California. The family remained in Sacramento in 1971, after Harold was discharged. Then, just two weeks later, on September 27, 1971, Harold was working late that night. He arrived home just after midnight. The house was quiet and dark. Mimi and the children, who were only toddlers at the time, were all in bed fast asleep. Harold opens the door to each room, checking on the kids asleep in their beds and cribs. Then he walks as quiet as possible to his bedroom, where his presence wakes a lightly sleeping Mimi. Hey, sweetie, how's work? Ah, right, baby, you know the same old stuff. Harold replies as he sits on the edge of the bed, untying and removing his shoes. Mimi lets out a yawn and rolls over. Can you grab me a drink from the kitchen if you go back in there? Of course, Shorty. Harold replies affectionately. Shorty was his nickname for Mimi. He rarely called her by her name anymore. Harold walks into the dark kitchen and switches on the single light overhead. He heads over to the cabinet, grabs a glass, adds a few ice cubes from the freezer, and then pours a drink. He brings the glass back to Mimi, handing it to her and kissing her head as she thanks him. He then undresses down to his boxers and t-shirt, but before climbing into bed and slipping off into dreamland, 
Harold heads back to the kitchen for something. And then... Shorty! Ah. Mimi snapped out of bed and ran to the kitchen, having no clue what all the commotion was. By the time she gets from her bedroom to the kitchen, which was just a few feet, Harold is on the floor unconscious and bleeding from what appears to be a gunshot. Harold, oh my God! Mimi rushes over to help her dying husband, but there is nothing she can do. By the time EMT arrives, Harold is dead at just 31 years old. Mimi is now a widow and single mother to three kids. Harold had been killed by a single gunshot that entered his back it had rushed through the glass of the kitchen window and hit him directly, killing him within minutes. A kitchen window that sat just four feet off the ground, and in the middle of the night, it was pitch black, and a single fatal shot was fired. Harold's killer slipped away in the pitch black night, never to be seen again, and Mimi was left holding the body of the man she loved as the life slowly seeped out of him, leaving her alone. Harold's murder was in the paper the next day as a small four-paragraph article describing the incident and a handful of follow-up articles in the next few weeks, but all they did was take up space, telling no new information, giving no new updates. Whoever killed Harold Riley got away with it and left police in Sacramento in the dark. No more was mentioned about Harold's murder until about three and a half years later, when his name would reappear alongside that of his missing six-year-old daughter. After Harold's murder, the Riley family moved to the Northern Highlands Park area of Sacramento. Harriet Elizabeth Riley was born on February 26, 1968. She was the youngest of the Riley's three children. She was preceded by two older brothers. She was born to the couple while they were living in Florida, and they moved to Sacramento just a few years later. Mimi and the kids were settling into the new neighborhood well, and it was quite common for now six-year-old Harriet to go to the park unsupervised. In fact, this was commonplace for most all the neighborhood children. Mom, can I go to the park till dinner's ready? Sure, baby. But you be home by five o'clock, or I'm going to send your brother down there to get you, okay? Okay. Harriet said as she dashed out the front door and down the steps, her mother having no idea this was the last time she would see or speak to her little girl. Larchmont Park was located less than a half a mile on the same street as Harriet's house. It took her just a few minutes to make the walk, but by 5.15, Harriet had not come home. Hey baby, will you run down to the park and grab your sister? I told her to be back by five and she ain't home yet. Dinner's getting cold now. Be quick and bring her home. Yes, mama, her oldest son replied. The eldest Riley boy walked down to the park, looking around and yelling, Harriet! Harriet! Quit playing! Mama said, come on, dinner's ready! He continued his search for several minutes, but after failing to find his little sister, he ran back home, rushing through the front door, out of breath, and sweating from head to toe. Boy, what the hell you doing running into my front door like that? What's the matter? Mama! I can't, I can't find her! He lets out, finally, after catching his breath. Harriet was nowhere to be found. Mimi and the boys all ran down to the park, searching every tunnel and hiding spot they could think of, and asking everyone they knew. 
Hey, have you seen my little Harriet? Yeah, she was down here playing and I told her to come home by five for dinner, but we can't find her. Please, has anyone seen her? One person had seen Harriet just minutes before. Yeah, it was just a few minutes ago. Probably right at five. She was sitting right over there on the sidewalk. She wasn't playing with anyone, just sitting there playing. By six o'clock, Mimi had reported her child as missing to the Sacramento Police Department, and a search was immediately launched. The neighborhood was thrust into intense fear as the area had recently been plagued by what seemed to be a serial kidnapper and killer. Stephanie Black and Terry Potter were kidnapped and found murdered a few months before Harriet went missing. These two deaths were attributed to a man named Herman Hobbs, and he is currently serving a life sentence in California for Terry Potter's death. But despite the looming what-if, the neighborhood pitched in and searched for the little girl all night and into the late hours of the morning, but to no avail. Then around 9.30 a.m. the following morning, an employee at the Terry Crest apartment complex, just a couple miles from the park, was taking out the trash. When she lifted the lid, she revealed something she was not prepared for. The body of little Harriet had been wrapped in plastic, with ankles and wrists bound and a plastic bag placed over her head. She had been placed in the dumpster as if she were only a piece of garbage. She was thrown out. Someone had taken Mimi and Harold's baby and thrown her in the trash like she was nothing. The local sheriff at the time was Sheriff Dwayne Lowe, and it took him just a week to find out what happened to Harriet. According to Lowe, Harriet was with two six-year-old boys, and she had met them at the park. The three had left the park and went back to one of the boys' house. The boys were said to have confessed to playing a game with Harriet, in which they tied her feet and wrists up, then put a plastic bag over her head. Oh, and then left her for dead. Yeah, they just left her tied up like that, and the two of them left around 7 p.m., going, I'm not sure where, and did not return later. And by then, Harriet was just gone. The boys could not explain this, or really what type of game they were playing. Sheriff Lowe, only had this to say. We do not believe the two boys had any malice whatsoever in the game they were playing. She, in all probability, died by suffocation and probably by accident. They are telling the truth as far as they can go. I'm completely satisfied with the validity of their statements. That's right. Harriet's death was slated to go down as an accident, and where she had been playing a game and just happened to suffocate to death. There were many holes in the boy's story, and no one could explain how Harriet's body ended up in the dumpster, I know we are not expected to believe that two six-year-olds moved and disposed of a dead body. Sheriff Lowe would later say that he had a strong suspicion that there was parental involvement, but offered no evidence to support his theory. The parents of the boys believed their children were innocent and that they had been targeted in order to cover up what really happened. And that appeared to have been the case. The state filed criminal child negligence charges against the parents of both boys, and on January 17, 1975, boys were placed in state custody and the parents were charged. However, all charges were dropped by April of the same year. The courts had failed to prove the boys had anything to do with Harriet's death, and that the boys' parents had shown no signs of abuse or neglect. A lawsuit was filed against Sheriff Lowe by the family of the boys, but the outcome of said lawsuit is unclear. Although the police claimed they were going to continue to investigate the case, there were no further discoveries and many doubt anything was done after the boys' case was thrown out in 77. 
it had been declared as cleared. What that means is they concluded that the murder had been solved in pinning it on the boys, even though no one was actually convicted. Who wanted this case closed so bad? Why does it seem like they rushed and even pushed for it to be closed? Were police closing in on the truth? Was the police department involved or covering up whoever killed Harriet? Or was Harriet's murder like her father's in that the killer knew exactly what they were doing and exactly how to get away with it? Hello again and welcome to Sandu News. Harriet's unsolved homicide case was reopened in 2015, and oddly it no longer mentions the two little boys or any legal actions taken during the case. The case is classified as an unsolved homicide, and police are hoping the renewed interest will bring in tips to help locate the real killer. Some attribute Harriet's death to Herman Hobbs, who was convicted of killing Terry Potter, but he has never given the police any reason to believe that he was involved. There were many other killers active. We know now during the 1970s, including the Golden State Killer, East Area Rapist, the Zodiac Killer, not to mention just getting over Manson's madness at the end of the 60s. Although it is possible she fell victim to one of the many serial killers of California's 60s and 70s era, it's more likely that the murder was a little closer to home. Harriet's case is still unsolved, and police still hope to find new clues that will lead to an arrest or conviction. If you have any information pertaining to the case, you're encouraged to pass it along to the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. Thank you, and stay classy, Sacramento. Alright guys, that was Chapter 2 of Sandu Stories. You get one more freebie, and then they're going on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Podcast, where at the $5 tier, you guys will get to hear Sandu Stories every month. And at the $3 tier, you get early access to regular episodes as well as access to another show I do called Strange Shorts. And of course, at the $5 tier, you get Strange Shorts too. That goes without saying. You guys get it all. Oh, and the exclusive Sandu sticker at $5 as well. So again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. Guys, if you can't join Patreon, I totally understand. And if and when you ever are able to or want to, these stories will be waiting on you. Don't worry. But another way you can help the show is just go leave a review. Jump on iTunes, click five stars, or type a little something, and I'll give you a shout-out. Um, I'm not going to be doing shout-outs on Sandu Stories episodes or advertisements, and that will remain that way forever. Okay? Unless it's just some ridiculous ad, right, that I just can't give up. I'm just kidding. Forever. Forever. I promise. All right, guys. Follow me on social media, at Sandu Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, all that good stuff. Send in your case suggestions. And uh, we'll see you guys next week with another strange and unexplained. All right, guys. Nothing? You guys want to hear the synopsis? Ah, what the hell? Play the synopsis. It's time for more. It's time for more synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for more. It's time for more synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for more. It's time for more synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes.
What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained, the tragic murders of Harriet and Harold Riley, who in the 1970s were murdered four years apart, them being a father and daughter. Uh, Mr. Riley had spent over a decade in the U.S. Air Force, um, and his wife, on the evening of September 27th, 1971, requested that he get her a soda. She was in bed. It was midnight. Um, he went to get her a soda. He brought it to her. Then he went back to the kitchen to get himself something to drink, and he was shot through his own window in the kitchen and shot through the back and died on the floor of his own kitchen. Um, four years later, his daughter would be six years old, and on January 9th, 1975, she would go missing from Larchmont Park in her neighborhood, only a five-minute walk from her house. It was 5.15 p.m. was the last time she was seen. She was set to be home at 6 p.m. by her mom. Um, a witness saw her playing alone on the sidewalk at five, around 5 p.m., but she did not come home as expected by 6. Um, a search would ensue, and her mother would obviously be very panicked. And tragically, in a dumpster nearby the Terry Crest apartment complex, her body would be found. Um, and she would be found wrapped in plastic with a bag over her head. Clearly a murder, it seemed. Um, there was no signs of violence or sexual assault, however. So very bizarre what kind of motive was here. If this was a sexual predator attacking a young child, I know there was a lot of crime going on in Sacramento in the 1970s during this time. A lot of these type of abductions of young children and stuff. Um, the the uh, coroner would later confirm that the cause of death was suffocation. Um, so the bag that had put over her head had caused her to lose oxygen and succumb to suffocation. Uh, now, there would be a ton of pressure on the police to solve this crime right away. And after a week, the sheriff, Sheriff Lowe, would come forward to the media with a story of what had happened. This was not a murder, he was saying. This was an accident. Um, there was two six-year-old boys that he had spoke to that claimed that they had played a game with young Harriet um, and that uh, as a result of the game they had played, she had died. They had met her at the park. They had become fast friends. They were having fun. They, they invited her back to their house where they tied her ankles up and put a bag over her, which resulted in her death. Now, how she gets in a dumpster from there, um, and where are the parents? The, the dumpster was too high for these two young six-year-old boys to get her body into, um, why was, why were they, why did they not come forward in, immediately? Where were the parents? What was going on? This story makes absolutely no freaking sense. Um, I don't buy it for a second. And the sheriff is saying things like, we, you know, we do not believe these boys could comprehend death, that, uh, they didn't know that what they were doing with this game could result in death, which I don't, once again, don't buy for a second. My son isn't even four yet, and he knows better than to do anything like this. Um, and so I, I don't buy the story at all. I don't know what's going on. I feel like the sheriff, something is up. Now, this this is a black family. Harriet and, and Harold Riley um, and Mammy was the mother and wife of the late Harold. And can you imagine Mammy going through these, these two tragedies within four years, her husband and daughter being murdered? Um, now, was it racially motivated? One of these or both of these crimes? I don't know. I find it odd that she wasn't, you know, that her body wasn't sexually assaulted or, uh, there was no, you know, what, what I don't buy that the kids, I don't think they I don't think these two kids had anything to do with it. I think they were scapegoats. The sheriff knew what happened. Maybe he was protecting someone. Um, 
it, it, the whole thing is extremely fishy to me. And I know, you know, young children can be manipulated and they can be told a story by, you know, an adult, someone that they respect, like a, a sheriff puts them in a room and tells them a story and they go with it. And, um, the boys would end up getting set free. Essentially. Um, they would be put into legal counsel and a judge would essentially throw out the case saying there wasn't sufficient evidence. Um, and they didn't have anything directly related to the crime in front of them. So much, much to do about nothing. So, you know, Harriet and Harold were both killed and neither of them got justice. And the years would go by, 40 of them, before CBS Sacramento in 2015 featured Harriet's case uh, as a handful of un unsolved homicides. And they profiled her case and they dug into things and they were now actively seeking tips in Riley's unsolved homicide investigation. Um, and they discovered some very odd things. Uh, her cold case listing, there was no mention of the accidental ruling, nor were there any children potentially involved in her death mentioned. This was clearly a story, a web that the sheriff had spun and who was he trying to protect? It makes you wonder. Was he protecting someone or was he just tired of all the media pressure and public pressure and created answers for them? I think there's a still a chance to find out the truth behind this. The two six-year-old boys that were initially blamed for Harriet's death, they would be 53 years old now. If they were found and questioned and maybe they had some sort of a memory of, you know, whether they actually did accidentally kill Harriet or whether they were approached by the sheriff and told a story, told a story that they repeated to him. Um, I'm not sure. This is a, this is a wild case. Um, there's clearly uh, a lot of secrecy and, and fishiness behind Harriet's death as well as Harold's. What had Harold done to deserve getting shot in his own kitchen and for the killer to never be found? That's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. Well, you're still here, so you must enjoy Sandu's stories. At least a little, right? Ever thought about writing or voice acting for something like this? If so, send us an email at sandupodcast at gmail.com or at sandupodcast on social media. Thanks, guys. Remember, be strange. Just don't be strangers. Yeah. It's Sandu's stories. Turn up your volume for me. I try to keep it happy when the details get gory But sometimes I don't And the shit gets real But we know that's how you like it Cause the way it makes you feel Sandu stories Based on truth But some things are exaggerated Sandu stories Been waiting on you And we're so glad you made it Sandu stories Based on truth But some things are exaggerated Sandu stories